0: Welcome back to the Unregulated Podcast. This is episode number twenty-one we're coming it, at you. We're the adults; we can drink. Yay! American Energy Alliance Studios in downtown Washington, just blocks away from the White House, which is still surrounded by a very large wall and guarded by people with guns. I am your co-host Tom Pyle, and this is my fellow co-host. I'm the
1: assistant manager, Mike McKenna,
0: and we uh, had another busy week. Between episodes, before we get into this, though, I do want to uh, give a shout out to one of our listeners. Uh, I found out that he is battling and beating cancer, but we want to make sure that uh, he he knows that we're in his prayers and that uh, we're thinking about him as he gets through this stuff. So, um, you know who you are. I'm not going to name your name, but uh, keep up the fight, my man.
1: Um, yeah. Okay. Since we're doing this, I got to do one other thing. I was I was chastised by a listener who. I uh, wanted to point out that Tampa Bay does, in fact, care about football and <laughs> hockey. Um, so I'm going to just say that that comment came over the transom, and then I'm going to repeat the fact that Tampa Bay does not, in fact, care about football or hockey.
0: Well, they might now if they if they, they don't win in the big game. They for don't. A week I
1: guarantee you, no one. No so. one likes Tom Brady. Not even Tampa Bay.
0: Um, all right. So, do you want to get into the into the football stuff? And get it over with, or... Yeah, why not? Okay.
1: Look, I, I'll tell you what. Let me let me do it first. I was wrong about the Packers, and I was wrong we about the Bills. pretty confident about the Packers, but... Uh, you know, I'm coming to a theory about why I was so wrong, and it's this. Um, I put... I put... Aaron Rodgers is, without a doubt, the most talented quarterback in the history of the NFL, but he is not the best quarterback in the history of the NFL. He chokes, and mm. that's just the way it is. And you Yeah, know, gamers and... Right, exactly. You 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 know that's my big theory on yep. life. There's yep. people who show up on game day, and there's people who don't. And he's just one of those guys. It's a terrible thing because he seems like a really nice guy, but that's just that, right? Five cracks at it, um, one win. That's yeah. not good.
0: Well, and now uh, we can we we can make our picks, but. I- at this point, I'm not really overly concerned about it. I do I do not want to root for Tom Brady. I only wanted Tom Brady to face the Bills and have the Bills have a chance to beat Tom Brady and win a Super Bowl in epic fashion. But that didn't happen. But we say this every year, us Bills fans, we'll be back next year. This time yeah. it has a little teeth to it. I think yeah. they're a damn good team. Made it pretty far. Made some bad decisions last week.
1: Yeah, I, I think there's two quarterbacks who are hunting, who are hunting the Chiefs in the in the AFC, right? Baker Mayfield is eventually going to catch them with the Browns, and Josh Allen's eventually going to catch them with the Bills. And whether I'm not sure who does it first. I think Baker Mayfield and the Browns are like half a year ahead of the Bills, but I think you know everyone's like, ah, Chiefs are going to be great, going to be great, going to be great. Chiefs have this one Super Bowl left, and that's probably it. Um, I, you know, the reality of it is, yeah, the. Re- the reality of it is is that um i'm not sure that the chiefs have a defense that's good enough to beat tampa bay and i say that really really reluctantly tampa bay's defense is better um and i think they're going to they're going to um they're going to do what the browns did right they're going to muddle rush um mahomes and keep him in the pocket and make him try to beat him in the pocket and um you know i just i think God, it kills me to say this. you got to think Tampa Bay's going to win, but it's probably going to be
0: close. Could be a good game. I'm I'm pulling for the Chiefs just because I'm an AFC guy. Oh, I'm
1: rooting for the Chiefs. And
0: I will say this. I've been able to look at Tom Brady more objectively than when he was a Patriot. Since he's not beating you twice a year. (laughs) So, and he is very impressive. Well, forget the age thing. He's disciplined. He's methodical. Yeah. And, you know, he's... Okay, he's a he's a good he's a good ball player.
1: So so this I'm gonna this is gonna get resistance from everyone, right? But it's the truth. He is not the greatest quarterback of all time. What he is is the greatest game managing quarterback of all time. He doesn't make critical mistakes. He makes the throws he has to make, um, and and twice a game he has to make a play, and he makes plays. He generally does, you know. Yeah. But if you, you know, he's not. Joe Montana, he's not Johnny Unitas. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I agree. One, I, just I agree with you. Yeah,
0: uh, uh, his is it's it's game management. It's recognizing what needs to be yeah. done when it needs to be yeah. done, and having an amazing you, you know crew who, around him. You
1: too. know who? I mean, you know who he's most similar to? Bart Starr. Hmm. You know, Bart Starr won five NFL championships. Bart Starr was not a great quarterback, but Bart Starr never lost a game, right? Um, and he won a couple of games, right? The same kind of guy. Managed the game, made the throws, didn't make mistakes. And twice a game, he'd cough up a great play for you. And that um, that's probably the key to success in life too, right? Just, just do what you're supposed to do. Um, don't throw up on your shoes. And every once in a while, um, shine real bright. So who's going to win? Who do you want to win? Uh, I believe, oh man, I believe the Chiefs are going to win in a close game. I believe, um, and I want the Chiefs to win. Um, but I would not be surprised at all if Tampa Bay won because that defensive line is going to give Mahomes problems all day.
0: It's a good Washington hedge there. (laughs) Thank you. 50-50. All right. Listen, um, we promised and we deliver. We have a guest, uh, on the unregulated podcast, a special guest the former assistant secretary from the Office of Energy Efficiency and Renewable Energy, a gentleman named Daniel Simmons. The Honorable Daniel The Honorable Daniel, Daniel. Daniel Simmons. We can put that title on you. Your d- you're talking to two honorables, buddy. I know. I'm, I feel a little bit inferior these days. But uh, Dan has served admirably in the administration uh, from the beginning. Uh, even as a fellow uh, landing team member in the transition, served on the beachhead team and wa- stumbled his way to running a multi-billion dollar, many, many hundreds of people agency over at DOE. Daniel, welcome aboard to the Unregulated Podcast. Well, thanks, Tom. It's uh, it's great to be here. So. <laughs> <laughs> now, for those who are not familiar, Dan Daniel also spent... A fairly decent amount of time here uh in the IER and AEA headquarters as my as a policy director. Um, and uh, I think feeling, we're, I think
1: we're sitting in his office, aren't we?
0: No. Yes, this was his office. We're sitting in his office. Your office is now a studio. <laughs>
1: not, not, <laughs> not that we mean you're not welcome back, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I,
2: I'm. I, I'm just glad that it's that it's being
0: put to good use. <laughs>
1: Somebody's finally working in here. <laughs>
0: All right, Dan. What what do you want to talk about? The floor is yours, sir. Uh, what's on your mind these days? Uh, oh, maybe let me let's start with this. There was a little hearing yesterday about the the, the person who is seeking to replace your old boss, the Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm from Michigan. How do you think she did? How do you think the Republicans handled uh, the
2: hearing? Uh, if, if, if I had, uh, been staffing Jennifer Granholm, I would have, uh, you know, could not have given her more kudos on her performance yesterday because she was really good. I didn't, I mean, I was, uh, hoping that, that the Republicans would really be able to put her in a box and make her have to answer for the president's actions so far on, uh, on energy policy with his, uh, you know, with, with multiple executive orders on, on climate, um, these things are going to drive up the cost of energy, and uh, they didn't. The, the, she didn't really get put in a box. She did a she did a great job. Um, unfortunately,
0: yeah, uh, there was a whole lot to shoot f- to, to work with there. Um, I was a little bit more pointed. I have an article in the Daily Caller that um, I can share with our our listeners in the show notes, which I basically said that she had an audition as governor of Michigan, and she blew it, and yet she got promoted. Um and you know, only in Washington can you fail miserably and get promoted, I feel anyway. Um Mike, what do you think?
1: What That's you not true. About? You can do that in corporate America too. <laughs> <laughs>
0: or think tanks. Or you can do it in think tanks, right? You
1: you get you get fired by a think tank, or, you or go trade associations. You can wind up being assistant secretary. It's just you know it's, it's, it's all, all kinds of things can happen in the world. Yeah, the um the um the, the Jennifer Granholm thing, right? The governor Granholm, whatever um, Appalachian, she prefers to go by now, um, right? First off, she's she's Canadian, so you got to kind of reset expectations. But the 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 thing that surprised me, the, the thing that stuck out from hearing from me for me was when asked about transmission and FERC and all this other stuff, she's like, yeah, I really want to help. Help put that in quotes. FERC, you know, build all this transmission we need to get rural wind to urban centers. All right, and leaving aside um, all the other ridiculous um, baggage in that sentence, Um, what struck me was um, that I doubt very seriously if anybody at FERC wants DOE to help them. Um you know we we we've sort of seen how that turned out in the in, in the Trump administration. And um I'm a little surprised, but perhaps I shouldn't be. You know, it it's similar, um Dan, cover your ears. You know, it's fairly similar to to Rick Perry wanting to help, again, put that in quotes, FERC, understand the importance of coal to um to the grid, right? Um you know, even even when agencies are philosophically aligned, um they're always very conscious of turf at the federal level. That's much less prevalent at the state level. So I kind of wonder if both their experiences and the governors made them, made them think, hey, we're all going to work together and be friends. Um, you know, federal level um, agencies, especially independent regulatory agencies, they're not going to work together. They're not going to be friends. That's just not how the world works, right? So,
2: Well, Mike, you can you can speak to this. One of the, you know, this idea, there's an idea that is very hot right now in terms of, Hey, what we really need is a super grid. We need, you know, we really need to improve the overall electric grid. It's, yeah. you know, it's 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 a no brainer. And the the problem is, is that many of the people that are advocating this idea don't understand what it takes to actually do yeah. that, and 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 the complications.
1: Yeah, there, there's there's um, I didn't realize we we're going to talk about the grid, but I'm always happy to do that. Um, two things, real quick, right? One is. Um, there's there's been now a bunch of data, a bunch of research done that indicates that if you're serious about net zero by 2050, you need to essentially double the size of the grid um, in you know the next 25 years. Um, you're talking about something that took um, 50 years to build originally and 50 years to rebuild, right? The last 50 years. Um, so you know it would take you I don't know 100 years. the The thing is, and and this is this is um, this is a thematic now, I think, in this administration. You're getting a bunch of um, policies across purposes. And I'll explain what I mean real quick. Um, the for One of the first things the Biden administration did was, was um, blow up the um, NEPA changes, right, in, in the Trump administration, from the Trump administration. That's great. Problem is, uh, all those changes were going to make it easier to build transmission. So, first thing out of the box, they made it more difficult to build transmission. Um, you know, despite the fact that Jennifer Granholm, Governor Granholm just said, we need to build more transmission, all right? You're gonna need to do stuff like that. The other, you know, um, cross purpose involving transmission is there's lots of talk about building high voltage direct current transmission, which I'm sure you're familiar with, Dan, Um, right? From wind farms and solar farms directly to load, right? Directly to demand. Um, Problem with that is FERC order 888 is sitting out there, open access, can't have open access on a, a HVDC. Policy has got to go. But the funny thing is, is that the Americans for Clean Energy Grid put out a report yesterday that said, you know what we need to do? We need to get FERC more involved in the planning processes. So it's not like 888 is going to go away, You know, the the wind guys want to get FERC more involved. So I'm not exactly sure where all this is going, but – and Dan? I'd like your I'd like your thoughts about what I'm about to say. One of my hard hard rules of government is everything takes twice as long as you think it's going to take. Um, you know, if you think it's going to take thirty years to to double the size of the transmission grid, it's going to take sixty.
0: Well, the the fun before Dan, you 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 hit this. Uh, the fundamental question is why.
1: Yeah, I yeah. mean, why? It, what, what is this for? Electricity demand's been flat for ten years. That, that's the that's the that is the fundamental fact of electricity america sorry Dan you've been trying to get in here Yep. you know
2: the uh it, back, back to your question about how long things take in government they it takes really at least twice as long um, <laughs> it, it, if you can get it done if you can get it done like one of the challenges that I had is uh wanting to get a deputy um and uh you know from from the two years that i was uh you know from from when I was like actually confirmed till the end of the administration was two years, I tried multiple times to get a deputy. It never happened. Um, You know, it just, something that should be simple, something that, so we can, you know, execute on the president's priorities and, and just do the things we need to do and like, just have challenges like that. And that's, that's let alone all the other Um, it's good rule of thumb that government takes twice as long as you think it would. Um, oh, the other, the other way that they're working across purposes that the president's new policies are working across purposes is we talk about this, this, um, you know, we need this huge build out of renewables and back to the NEPA issue. You just blew up NEPA. The other thing that NEPA is going to help with is citing all this wind and solar, um, all, all of this stuff with, with, with some exceptions, you're going to have to do NEPA for all of it. That needs to be streamlined. You need, you need like streamlined NEPA, streamlined permitting to so that you can really do the build out because like the quantities of energy that we need are staggering. Um, especially when you you're talking about replacing stuff. And so how how you can do that without streamlining this is like you're 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 never you're never going to do it. And uh, that's gonna start dawning on these guys before long. But you know, I mean Yeah, good even...
0: luck getting NEPA reform through the greens.
1: Uh, I, I think well, uh, uh, sure. I have I have a theory. You want it? Yeah. Yeah, and my theory is is that the policy elites in the on the other side, right, on the on the environmental side, they understand this, right? Th- this this net zero by 2050 is purely hortatory, ter- right? They have no intention of um building twice as many power plants as we have now, building twice as many as much transmission as we have now, um building, you know, whatever, 20 gigs of offshore wind. Th- they know that all that stuff is not going to happen in the time frame allotted. Um, but they want the pressure, the directional pressure. Uh, you know, Because there's no way anybody who knows anything about anything thinks this can get done in 29 years. There's just no way. Not going to yep. happen.
0: Well, um, you're, can we all agree that Europe has been at this for a little bit longer than we have? And failed. Okay. Well, let me give you an example of that Bloomberg piece. Um, European power grid hit by severe disturbance. The severe disturbance on Europe's power transmission system on January 8 shows all the signs of a system under stress. Loss of frequency control, insufficient generator inertia, insufficient generator and load flexibility, cascading failure, and the unplanned separation of the continental grid into two separate grids for a time islanding. In this instance, grid controllers were able to bring the situation under control with limited load shedding. But the event shows the system's reliability margins are eroding and need to be improved. Yeah,
1: yeah. You know the the sorry Dan, I didn't mean to jump you there. The um you know, Germany pays about three times their um uh, rate in the United States, right? About twelve we pay about twelve cents in the United States, give or take on average. Germans pay about thirty five cents. Um and the Californians are headed for the same problem, right? They can't they can't build transmission, they can't build generation, so the system becomes a little bit more unstable each year. So it's not just the I know we all look at you know, look at the Europeans and like to laugh because they're they're kind of cute and hopeless and don't have real coke. but um you know it's 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 not just them. sorry, Dan?
2: No, I mean, this is this just demonstrates some of the challenges with changing the electric grid period, no matter what you want to do with it. I mean, when that happened, you had like an excess of over six gigawatts, an excess of six gigawatt demand in in Western Europe, an excess of six gigawatts of generation in Eastern Europe uh you know it it uh, you know hats off to the grid operator for making you know for pulling the grid back together and getting it synchronized again that's that is impressive work but these are really difficult issues the the electric grid is an incredibly complex and difficult to run machine and uh you know we need to focus on uh improvements for the future but um the, the the amount of it's not going to be cheap. Just I'll, just I'll just say that none of this is going to be cheap when you're when you're talking about the level of complexity and the amount of work that that, that would be done to achieve these goals. And,
0: and who's going to pay? Uh, well, this is this
2: is a hobby horse of mine. <laughs> uh, the, you know, the hobby. My my hobby horse is, you know, you look at the we, we people talk about these incredibly low power purchase agreements for wind for solar. Um, we have incredibly cheap natural gas. We've had less efficient coal plants go offline, less efficient gas plants go offline. And so the the cost of wholesale generation has decreased and yet rates continue to increase. You know, they're not they're not skyrocketing rates in the United States, but there is upward pressure on rates. No, and and this is uh, a frog, at the end of the day, is, that's what
0: matters. This is the frog in the pot of, of water de- situation. Like the folks are not outraged because as you said, the, the prices are not tracking. We should be enjoying a discount on our electricity, and we're not, because prices are going up because it, they have to build in all of this waste, all of this subsidization, all of these mandates, all of this disruption into what was otherwise a very efficient and reliable system. For what?
1: Yeah, I mean that's the thing about it, right? Sev Bornstein over at the um Cal Berkeley, right? Um wrote this great you should look at you, I'll send it to you Dan. He wrote this this great um note on net metering, right? And how all the the rich people were um starting to put um solar panels on the roofs and um batteries on the in the basement and they were essentially um not Unplugging from the grid, but becoming less reliant on the grid, and that meant all the fixed charges on the grid were getting paid more and more by poor people um people who couldn't afford it. It was a you know Sev is by no means um on our side, but he's a truth telling economist, which is like worth like incredible amounts, and he just laid it out in about three pages. great argument, same thing going on here, right. It, it, the poor people are the ones who get this stuff worse because it's you know it's a regressive tax is
0: what it all is right. Yeah, well, the entire the entire climate day uh, is going to be regress- regressive, uh, and you know these are the people they claim to want to be helping the most. Shut up, Tom! They're saving the world. But uh, Dan, you mentioned uh, the slowness of getting appointees and 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 folks uh, to to do the good work that you were doing. I just saw a press release from the Biden administration. Nineteen senior officers, nineteen senior leaders of the Department of Energy announced in one press release, including the chief of staff, a direct. De- <laughs> you ready for the the new the new and improved DOE deputy director for energy justice?
1: Money. I don't even know what that is. That's he, my. T- I want that job in the next administration.
0: The. Uh, director of energy jobs uh let's see we have the i wonder um, if that
1: person knows that all jobs are energy (laughs) jobs
0: we have the chief of staff for the office of fossil who more recently served as a senior policy advisor at carbon 180 where she focused on policies to build sustainable and equitable technological carbon removal at scale money um, this is
1: some great stuff, man. We got to remember this when we're back in.
0: <laughs> but hey, they they seem to have gotten a little bit of a jump on getting their folks in place. They had a better White House liaison. So, um, what 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 what
1: Tom is trying to bait you into saying is, <laughs> and, and I will I will save you, um, is that the the Biden guys did a lot better job of transition. They just did.
0: Yeah. And, oh. And, uh like uh,
2: yes i mean that 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 cannot be said enough yeah. um uh, ap- apparently there were i mean besides these people there was you know 50 yeah. people coming into doe on day one
1: yeah
2: um you know 50 political appointees which is like you know a, a third of your overall political appointees maybe you know just over a half like on day one like these guys have it together you saw that in people going into agencies but you also saw that in the I mean, I don't like all these executive orders that the president has signed, but one of the things that it shows you is these guys are, you know, these guys are pros.
1: Yeah. And And that's what I said. That's what we were talking about last week. I said, you know, the great thing about it is, and it's not all great, but the great thing about it is now that you've seen what it can look like, that's going to be the bar that the next transition gets held to, right? You know, the next time we we wind up taking over – you know, our side's in that it's a, a, a subpar transition is not going to be acceptable.
0: Well, I hope so. Uh, you know, I'm not sure how, well, I'm, I'm going to pull back here. <laughs> so one of the things that uh, frustrated me was the the, the, the Trump administration's transition had a, a, a challenge in that the, the incoming president was never a politician and didn't have like hangers on for years and years and years and reams and reams of policy this and policy that mm-hmm. binders full of policy declarations like Romney. So we had to write a lot of those for them. And we came up with these agency action plans, which Dan, how, how much of the agency action plan for the DOE do you think was actually what percentage paid attention to and, or uh, focused on or potentially implemented, uh, in, in, during, uh, during the, the Trump administration? If you had to put a number, I'd I'd, I'd have have to go back
2: and look at it. Like the stuff, the stuff that
0: I was focused on, the stuff that I did,
2: we did a good job on.
0: So what you're saying though, that, that they weren't using that agency action plan. Um, I mean the, uh, you know what, well, I mean, it wasn't, it it wasn't referred to as past
1: as, it wasn't referred to perhaps as much as it should have been.
2: (laughs) You, you, you could say that, but it's also like, here, here's the fundamental challenge. The, you know, we created this agency action plan, and then you have a, you know, that Rick Perry, the secretarial nominee comes along and has his own stuff. And this is not like, I'm not, I'm not criticizing Perry here, um, but there's stuff that Perry wants to do. And, you know, without, you know, being able to merge those two things together. That's that, that. That's where you get into. Yeah. That's where you get into problems. Yeah. And uh, you know, Perry wants to do. Perry wanted to do his own thing, and that's yeah. and yeah, that, and he did some good stuff. So I'm not like I said. I'm not criticizing Perry. No, um, but that,
1: that's great. The, the process could have been better. Yeah, that that's great insight. And let me let me pan the camera back for ten seconds on this, right? Um, to to the larger point that under underscores, and undergirds, um, Dan's point, right? Um, the cabinet secretaries in this administration. Are
0: oh, you I can they, just say it. They're, they're puppets.
1: Th- th- I was gonna go with the word figureheads. Okay, um, sure. Because I, I, the word stooge crossed my mind, but I'm like, nah. You <laughs> no, know, th- th- yeah. well, we, it,
0: it's we want to get rid of the divisiveness in in our discourse. I'm
1: perfectly okay with divisiveness in our discourse. We, we need in unity. our discourse, I'm not. I'm not happy with lack of respect in our discourse. In our discourse, so stooge seems to me to be lack of respect. Let's put it this way: They're not yet stooges, um, but but the administration has done, you know, has cleared up Dan's problem, right? They wrote the plan, and then they installed their own people and the secretaries, who are usually given a lot of rhythm in who they bring on, have obviously been given no rhythm whatsoever, right? Because, sure. like, as Dan pointed out, DOE height has 180 political appointees. I mean, you know, I mean. Top end, right, including non career SESs. By the time um, Governor Granholm actually takes the oath of office over at 1000 Independents, at least half of those were already going to be spoken oh, for sure. and all the senior ones. So she's just, you know, the White House is going to run this thing, this administration to agree we've never seen. Yeah, it. oh, it's Not scary, even I mean, It's
0: clear, it's very evident in the fact that they have jammed anybody who is even remotely. Um,
1: don't say qualified.
0: I was going to say sentient, controversial into the White House, non-confirmationable positions. Yeah, but positions.
1: it's not just that, right? It's, it's, the, it's the director, the deputy director of, what is it, energy jobs right. and energy justice and, um, you know, Secretary Granholm is going to get there.
0: And they're all are going to be working already.
1: Yeah, you know, she, she will be a figurehead. Yeah. It, it, it's, maybe
0: that's why the Republicans are rolling over. I don't know. Because uh, they seem to be rolling over on these nominees
1: Well, so what do you expect them to do? I mean, until... Well, um, I mean,
0: Schumer and his crew fought tooth and nail every single one of
1: nah, them. No, not the top guys. You know, th- this thing this thing has a pretty traditional trajectory, right? One or two cabinet officials stub their toe on disclosure and go away, right? The Cabinet designees. Tom uh, Daschle. Um, I'm thinking about Linda Chavez, who... Um, got scuttled the same day I started working at the ducko group. Um, um but but and then the the assistant secretaries and the deputy secretaries and the um commissioners of various independent regulatory agencies start getting zeroed in so, on so, right. so
0: the So the the overarching like people pay attention to the first round and then the the business uh, you know, falls off the the, the radar screen and that's where the scrutiny comes in. That's, that's fine. Dan, I don't know how much long we have you. I want to ask you a couple questions about your, your tenure at EERE. What was, what, what surprised you? What did you learn? What was your, what would you say was your biggest success and and perhaps an area where you, you fell a little short? Uh,
2: in terms of, in terms of successes, um, you know, the, I, I thought we did some really good stuff. Um, Internally and how DOE works in working with other offices, with uh, uh, EERE and uh, say the Office of Electricity, which haven't always worked well in the past, uh, getting along and working to you know working to I mean since EERE technologies, renewable technologies are fundamentally changing the grid, making sure that we um, making sure that those offices are working together was uh, 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 something I felt really good about. Uh, launching the Energy Storage Grand Challenge, which You know, the name doesn't necessarily matter what does matter is that, that there is a, you know, a strong focus on energy and and all types of uh, on energy storage and all types of energy storage that it isn't just lithium ion batteries. Um, You know, huge arrays there's not necessarily the answer and that we need to think very broadly about energy storage. you know, one of the last things we did is we put out a request for information on the plastics innovation challenge who knows what the Biden administration is going to do with that because like the point is the plastics. The point that we're trying to make there is plastics are great, but we need to do some stuff about the the environmental downsides and how we can do a better job of recycling plastic. Um, those were those were some uh, those were some things and you know amazingly enough, um, you know, I used to work for IR and AEA. Uh, there was a lot of. Uh, there was, there, there was a lot of concern when I started that job, um, that, uh, that I was maybe going to blow stuff up and, and, uh, um, you know, in the end, I, I got along well with the, with the staff and we had a really good working relationship. And one of the reasons that we had a good working relationship is that my question is, what does the law say? And that's what we're going to do. And as long as we do that, you know, DC is going to be a better place. And, uh, you know, if, if, if I could, you know, if, if we can get along uh, where we have, I mean, obviously a lot of, there were, you know, a lot of people in the office did not support the president. You could say that, but there is, we can still talk to each other, but it needs to be, there needs to be a re- real effort put into it um, and, uh, you know, to get rid of uh, so much divisiveness that we that, that we see going on and have real conversations with people because at the end of the day, Um, what I, what I preached in that job was the same thing that I preached at IR and AEA. And that is that energy is critical for human welfare and that, that we need energy to make our lives better. We need energy to make the economy go. And, you know, as we, as we work to this future of energy, we need affordable, um, and it also needs to be clean energy. And so, um, you know, that's, that's the message that I've been preaching for a long time. And, uh, It uh, you know, that 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 was I thought that was a pretty good success.
0: Excellent. And uh, President Trump, certainly um, you certainly got his attention with with showerheads and toilets. And, um, you know, uh, I guess the president complained that he couldn't uh, get his his hair washed nicely uh, because of the low flow showerheads. So uh, you were certainly your your lane was certainly a fixture on the campaign trail as well, if I recall well and, and it's it's part of like it's part of the appeal of president trump is this
2: um you know, who else is going to talk about these issues especially at as the president um talking about some of these kind of i mean these these very populist issues um and uh it's it was a uh, you know it was interesting to have the president talk about the <laughs> stuff that you work on and to like You know, he he did not know who in the world in the government was working on this. But, uh, you know, what what, when he said uh, when he said leap on this issue, it, you know, it made us obviously focus and and try to try to do what he was what was asking us to do.
0: All right, Dano. Masahiro Tanaka is going home. (laughs) Um, It was a good run. Um, I yeah. think it's probably the right time for him. Uh, the Yankees clearly didn't uh, look. I, I will say that this is this this off is, if you want to describe it as anything, it is the end of the boss's era in New York. Yeah, that's the true. New York Yankees. Yeah, that's a good
1: way to put it. So that you know, out of veto going to the Red Sox was probably more important than Tanaka going to Japan. I don't know. What do you, Simmons? Let let let's get your guess on what, What's
0: your take on the offseason so far, and and where do you think uh, where do you think the Yanks are gonna are gonna slot in here? The Blue Jays are making some good strong moves. Tampa Bay is always a contender. I think the Alavino thing was a, a trade bait deal. I think they're gonna trade him in June. I don't, I still don't think Boston's competitive. So, if the Yankees are ever gonna trade him, this might to a Red Sox. You know, trade trade some to the Red Sox. But the but the pret but the fact that they did it would really upset the boss
1: okay here's the thing out not just any player he's a new yorker yeah he grew up in brooklyn for god's sake he grew up a yankees fan i mean it it it's like it would be like the red sox not quite but pretty close would be like the red sox trading up dustin pedroia right who again local boy out of boston right local boy out of everett it's just sorry man when the Yankees become a business run by those run by the Steinbrenner idiots, well, there's only one left. Right, that's right. The other so guy, the other guy had the misfortune of dying. Hal is Hal left?
0: Yeah, Hal's left. Hal the accountant.
1: Yeah, I, I don't want the Yankees to become the Oakland, Oakland Athletics. I don't think anybody else does. But Dan, you're up. You got to say something.
2: Um, I'm not a fan of Hal Steinbrenner. I'll just I'll just say that these are supposed to be the New York Yankees. The fact that the New York Yankees might have to pay the luxury tax is a is I mean it it should be the Yankee tax and they should pay it because they should be striving every year to win the World Series. And it ticks me off when they do not, uh, you know, when when that is not their goal. I don't know what their goal is with Hal Steinbrenner, but their goal is not to win the World Series every year. And uh, that that that's what frustrates me.
1: So. Before I ask you how many games they're going to win this year, I'll I'll, I'll give you I give you what I think their goal is. Right, um, you know, it took a long time. It took five years from like '64 to '69, right? Their last World Series appearance to when people stopped showing up at Yankee Stadium, and that's why. Oh, um, who's their announcer at the bottom of the 1960s? It was uh, Red, 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 Red. Whatever, whatever. Red Barber. Um, Red Barber got fired because on a late. Um, September day in Yankee Stadium in 1969, he counted the house live on radio, right? He counted the house and there were like 5,000 people in it, right? Which, you know, was the old Yankee Stadium. It was a cavern at 75,000 seats. Um, I'm pretty confident Steinbrenner looks at the world like, I'm going to sell 3 million tickets every year and I'm going to have a lot of idiots watching TV and watching these guys on TV. I'm still going to make money, even if they're just a little bit competitive. And he's not. He's not the boss. He, he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't want to win just to win, right? He's only going to win if it if it hurts his bottom line. There, and we've talked about this before. The, um, the reason why the Cubs have been lousy for so long is because their fans have let them be lousy for so long. They keep showing up, and they're Cubbies fans. Yay! I'm a Cubbies fan. Um, you know what they don't understand is they are complicit in the team being terrible, and I'm afraid that. For the remainder of my natural life, that's what the Yankees fans are about to become—complicit in the team being terrible.
0: Okay, but they did bring
1: in Darren O'Day. Oh, for God's sake! (laughs) I mean, you know what—the fact that they went round and round on Lemayhew—I'm like, he's your best player. It's not even close. I mean,
0: there's not like a second guy. Yeah, the thing is, is like in the old days, it would be. Okay, we got to lock in LeMahieu tomorrow, but then we got to go get one more big fish.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that doesn't happen anymore. It's ridiculous. All right, Dan, um, wins this year, assuming they play. Let's assume they play a hundred games. Um, that th- 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 they only play a hundred games? Yeah, I think that's probably a likely answer at this point. Um,
2: eighty-five. No, 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 a hundred games. Um. I don't know how that translates.
1: That, well, you know,
0: sixty-five games? Let's What's do full. Game? Let's just do a full sixty games?
1: Okay, just, I tell you what, one
2: hundred
0: sixty-two,
1: and I'll work the percentages backwards yeah. when we yeah, when five we games. when we review this. That. That's
2: good. Eighty-five games. You think
1: they're going to play five hundred, Paul?
2: No, well, a, a little, a little bit, a, bit better, a little bit over. May, I? I could be talked into ninety, but in that range, okay. five.
1: Eighty perfectly defensible. Don't 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 you know? Don't get chippy, Tom.
0: Uh, i'm not i wasn't ready for this i know right I'm that's why i wanted to spring this. it on you i i think that that they are going i think that um this year will determine whether they have to rebuild uh it's gonna be either it's gonna go one way or the other uh, in my view uh i just this this fantasy about uh Gary sanchez is still is yeah. still very much alive the two big boys. If they if they get hurt again this year, um, it, it, you know, it, to me, then that that means that you know this business of of you just patching this thing up, I'd I'd almost prefer that they rebuild if they me if, too. If, it, if it goes the wrong way. So
1: I predict ninety two wins, and I'll explain why right now. The pitching is going to be better than you think it is. Right, we got Garrett Cole, we got Severino. Um, we're gonna have uh, Montgomery. We're gonna have Montgomery Gumby. We're gonna have the fellow who who um, was bragging about um, hitting his wife, his girlfriend, whatever. Dominic. I don't think he was bragging. He was talking Jermaine about Jermon? it in an elevator full of people. Yeah, it's
0: still a bad deal.
1: Yeah, you, you know, it's, it, apart from being <laughs> apart from being a felon, um, he's not too bright. Um, so yeah, they're gonna have him pitching. And you know, there's, there's three well, or four Chap- pitchers.
0: Chapman had the same problem, didn't he? Yeah.
1: The, yeah. Uh, yeah, the Yank, that's the other thing, right? Steinbrenner would have tolerated that for about twelve seconds right. and thrown him off the team, right? You could drink and you could punch somebody or other players, but you know, walking around like a bad person, no, yeah. couldn't do that. So anyway. All right. All right. Well, so so here's here's my question for you guys. We're not taking questions, Dan.
2: <laughs> that, that, that,
1: <laughs> uh
2: it's it's my guest prerogative. Um so like you were you were just saying that uh you know that that the fans are somewhat complicit in this in this team being focused on money and not striving to win. Yep. Um so we now have the Biden administration. What is the like who is complicit? What what should the American people be doing right now um with you know with with all this that we see going on?
1: I'm the wrong guy to ask because I've written a series of columns in my in my nationally recognized um um uh, twice a week column in the Washington Times, where I said, "Hey, man, you lose an election, you move on to the next thing, right?" And the next thing in this case is, um, folks need to make sure that 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 their elected officials know that they're not happy with what's going on. If they're not in fact happy with what's going on, um, you know, the Republican Party is not going to get healthy until it starts to refocus on policy and that includes the voters in the Republican Party. We need to refocus on what's actually happening and what's going to happen. A friend of mine likes to say, politics is always about the future in the United States. I don't know about always, but it's almost, it's usually about the future. Um, And that means you got to get tangled up in policy and we need to re-engage and, you know, and and be energetic um without being disrespectful.
0: Um my take is that it's going to take a little while. There's a little bit of a fog going on right now. Um even, you know, internally we're all just sort of like trying to reorient ourselves because, you know, we've had 4 years of of a continued completely worthless and and dysfunctional congress which meant nothing really significant uh could happen one way or the other good or bad. And you had an administration that was very pro, uh, pro affordable energy, like you described, but not necessarily the greatest execution, right? So we tried our best to get them over the finish line, cheerlead the good stuff, and tisk tisk the bad stuff. RFS comes to mind, um, but right now I think everyone is just shaking their head, like, "What is happening? What is going on?" And and not really sort of uh, sort of oriented to sort of fight. So. It's going to take a little while, but I think uh, eventually that uh, folks will start to see what's going on. Uh, you're, you're going to start seeing some of the implications, uh, the impacts of, of these policies, I think, sooner than later. Um, and there'll be lawsuits filed and and they'll start to, you know, get their sea legs, hopefully, and the voters will, will kind of help that along. But we've got to start. I, I kind of liken this to the green jobs deal uh under obama right like how do you fight this stuff uh kit bond senator bond issued a i think he was the policy committee chairman yeah
1: then, he I was yeah, yeah, yeah and
0: his big big flashy report was yellow light on green jobs uh, right it okay. was just like we ah we got to think about these things right i mean no there's a reason no. when, there's a reason why none it's of these guys go into tv light. it's full stop it's full stop it, it, on it, green jobs because they're not real it, so it so we just gotta get our we gotta get our seed legs back and and reorient ourselves to to kind of to, to be in the position to fight. So and the voters will come along, I think.
1: We have to summon our greatness.
0: And we also have to encourage uh trade associations to to uh recognize uh what they are supposed to represent. So I will leave it at that. Dan, do you have any parting thoughts for us? We'd love to have you on in the future. Um Appreciate uh, you coming on today. And uh, what do you got for us to close out on your end? Um, Nothing, no- nothing, nothing at all. It is uh,
2: life is even during a pandemic. Life is good. Even when we have, uh, you know, we've we seen the administration come just out of the, you know, out of the box, just just charging ahead. We've been here before and uh, things will get better. That is, that's, that's, that's my charging thought, but it does take work. It does take work on our part. You know, we were here 12 years ago and then we saw the rise of the tea party and some good things came of that. Um, Not enough good things. I don't think.
0: It's a grind, my man. We just got to grind it out. We were here 27 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Dan Simmons, our special guest. Thank you again. Uh, look forward to to having you again uh, in the in the near future.
2: Thanks, Tom. You
0: bet. All right, man. Well, that took a little bit longer than I anticipated. We enjoyed ourselves completely.
1: Worth it completely. Uh, so
0: we will do a little speed round. Sure. All right. So I found an article from the Wall Street Journal. Obama. Uh, Obama. What was that? No. Amazon seeks to postpone Alabama <laughs> unionization <laughs> vote. I saw this. They didn't. The technology company is pushing for in-person union ballots in place of a mail-in option that was allowed due to the pandemic.
1: They had a great phrase when they got asked about it, um, and I can't quite remember. It, It was vote. It wasn't credibility. It might have been credibility, right? Vote credibility. Like, here's the reasons why we're in favor of it. This, this, this and vote credibility credibility—I think it was credibility of the vote, you know, the believability of the vote, something like that—and and I, I um, almost fell off my chair. And the great thing about it is—and the thing that Amazon doesn't quite understand—is that the Republicans in all these states are going to use it as a as a cudgel on, on election. I forgot the quote. You want me to read it? Yeah, I do. I do because
0: I want to get that right, that phrase right. Yeah, a spokesperson for the a spokesmodel a spokes Woman for the retail, wholesale, and department store union declined to comment. Amazon declined to comment on its appeal, but has said it believes the best approach to an election would be conducting it in person, saying it, quote, Provided the NLRB with a safe, confidential, and convenient proposal for associates to vote on site, which is in the best interests of all parties, Mm -hmm. associate convenience, vote, vote fidelity, and timeless of vote count. Timeliness, Timeliness of the vote, of vote count. count. Yeah, yeah,
1: and and you know, um, wow. Oh, well, I, I have to be honest with you. That is the greatest summation of why you should be um, stingy with mail-in ballots, right? Um, and and like I said, Republicans are now going to spend the next eighteen months going around to state capitals and saying, not just us to, to Amazon, and I assume the election security guys are now going to go through NLRB um, dockets and find out. What other companies have wanted these votes to happen in person? I bet you it's everybody. Oh, yeah. I bet you it's everybody. And by the way, apart from anything else, I love that somebody's trying to unionize Amazon.
0: Well, look, it's a bottom line issue. If it's a bottom line issue for companies, it should be a bottom line issue for voters. Well,
1: you're right. And the thing that I liked about Amazon especially was vote fidelity, which I totally dig that phrase. I'm going to use it all the time now. Uh, Vote fidelity. But they also said timeliness of the count. You think about it. As recently as a week ago, we had a we had a district out still. I mean, this thing is you know election is like whatever the hell it is, two and a half three months in a rearview mirror now. Why are we still counting votes? Oh yeah, this this nobody can think this is and, a good and idea. The,
0: the the day of votes were counted quicker than the mail in votes.
1: Yeah, it, it's in, it's in all these
0: big states. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So
1: so. Like I said, I'm hopeful somebody's gonna go through the NLB docket and just find out all these companies, because I guarantee you all their unionists, all their collectivization votes, um, are gonna they're gonna argue for in person.
0: CBS News, January twenty-sixth reports California Governor Gavin Newsom lifts virus stay-at-home orders.
1: Yeah, it's amazing what a recall effort will do to you, right?
0: <laughs> if anybody if anybody if anybody tells me that the this pandemic is not like loaded with politics, oh yeah, loaded with politics, they are they are yeah, man. not being honest with themselves.
1: Yeah, you're you're allowed to you're allowed to think a lot of things, but you're 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 not allowed to to not think that this isn't about some about politics. Yeah,
0: DC restaurants are opening up. It it,
1: it like I said it. It's ridiculous. I mean it, it Gavin Newsom had no interest in reopening until it looked like he was gonna have enough signatures it, for his for his recall. He
0: probably still will.
1: Oh, I'm sure they will. Yeah. I'm sure they will. And you know what? He's at some risk. He's at some risk. He
0: really is. So um the eight hundred pound gorilla, of course, is the the climate day executive orders that were was it just yesterday, uh, yesterday. or two days yesterday. ago? Yesterday. Just yesterday. yesterday. Yesterday? um, I I mean, there's no so much it was un-
1: Monday. I'm sorry. It was Monday. It was Monday. It was Monday. There's, they so, did much, yesterday.
0: there's so much to unpack here that we won't have time uh, for this episode. But I would I will start with the day before. It must have been Tuesday because the day before Schumer said that, quote, I mean, let me pull this up. Um, the Hill Schumer calls for Biden to declare climate emergency. Yeah. Uh, basically saying that he thinks that it should uh, he should do that because we need every tool.
1: I'm certain he's gonna. Uh,
0: and um, I, I I thought one of two things when he did it because I knew the EOS were coming the next day. The first was was that this was an easy one for him because he needs to keep AOC uh, you yeah. know behind him a little bit. Yeah, man. So he can be in front of the president on this stuff. The second thing I thought was it softens the the landing for Biden to actually do it. Um, he didn't yeah. do it yesterday. He'll do it eventually. It, it, it,
1: look, it's not a, it's not uncommon to declare emergencies right as president because right. it enables you to do stuff in the regulatory and fis- and fiscal space that you would otherwise do. So he's going to do it. The only question is what is he going to do once he declares it? You know, the I thought the EOs were um, anticipated, expected, and fairly anodyne, right? Um, you know, executive orders are just press releases. They're they're just memos to the cabinet secretaries, um, you know, with the press release on top of it, um, and and you know, and occasionally they have nice, pleasant um, fictions like, hey, we're going to set a national net zero standard by twenty fifty or something. Which I'm not sure he did. I, I don't know if that. I haven't actually read the um, read the executive orders. I only read the propaganda out of the White House on them. Um, it it. In a way, it's a sign of weakness uh, to do to do all these executive orders at once. It's a sign of weakness. Again,
0: again, we have a different, a slightly different perspective, and I will say that the and you agree with me, I think anyway. That out of all the ones that have teeth, is his federal lands business.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, but see, I get what I'm saying is he could have just told the Interior Department, "Hey, that's your that's your that's what your goal is," right? You know, making an executive order doesn't provide any more authority yeah, to it understand than that.
0: that. But you know, a blurry, a, 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 a fluster, a, a blister, whatever the damn word I'm looking for mm-hmm. is of activity. A torrent. Day one. A torrent. Day week one. Wall. A FDR wall of activity. Had 99. I'm going for 100 executive orders. Yeah, it, It's red meat for the progressives mm-hmm. because it's got all the buzzwords in the language. And I'm telling you right now, uh, you know, this isn't going to be. Uh, a cakewalk to push all this stuff back. I mean, these guys are all in, as we've talked about. Oh, yeah, yeah. All these folks are sitting over at the White House to be shielded from any scrutiny whatsoever. Yeah. Um, the, they've got a very specific plan. The previous uh, four years, Obama Inc. was conditioning the landscape for that, and they're all back. I mean, this is Obama's third term. This you is know, not Biden's There's
1: some term. of that. There's some of that. But two two things. One is it's entirely possible this is the high watermark on climate for this administration, right? Um, this is the best day they're ever gonna have, you know, because they got all the stuff out of the system. That's thing one. Thing two is um, you probably right, right? All the progressives are like, this is great. It's gonna, you know, we're gonna have and, and that's certainly where the press played it. You know, this is the greatest thing ever, blah, blah, blah um that i couldn't
0: contain themselves
1: I'm, i mean uh, yeah. Bloomberg
0: wrote a piece like rooting for this administration as a as a, as an analysis of journalism
1: piece who 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 uh, who i, I got to go back was it mind. one of our friends or some other person
0: uh, i don't i didn't recognize the
1: okay the, the 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 thing that strikes me about it is that um I, part of me is like okay whatever and part of me actually feels good about it because um I, the thought crossed my head that yesterday that, you know, if the folks on the environmental side actually believe any of this stuff is really of lasting value, then it tells me that they know as little about the government as um, our side does, All right? Um, you know, it, it, laws are of lasting value. Regulations are of some value. Executive orders are like I said; they're they're memos with press releases. They'll,
0: they'll be they'll be ripped up when the next guy comes. Yeah. if it's if it's got an R next to his yeah. name. Yeah, well, his or her,
1: or a P, <laughs> or, a, <laughs> <Patriot>. <laughs> or a
0: M for the MAGA party, Patriot Party. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Um, I, I I'm not really sure what to think about this. Uh, Life Site News. Life side it's, News, never heard
1: of them, but wait, what well, what, what are their newses? What news do they have? Well, for us?
0: regardless of where, I, where what the source is, uh, it, there's a video. Um, Pro-abortion protesters storm pro-life mass in Ohio in, Cathedral. In Demand in Columbus.
1: In the Columbus in the Columbus Cathedral. Yeah, yeah. I saw this. I saw this. It, it's legit. The video's legit. The thing's legit. The cops got called. The whole bit.
0: I I saw the video. It it, it,
1: it um, so. One of the things about the Capitol on January 6th that I've been – that has troubled me is um, there has been a lot of religious um, language that's crept in. A lot of religious language has crept into the conversation about they have desecrated this temple of democracy, right? OK. Now, I'm a sensitive to um, the need to protect um, government and therefore publicly owned buildings as anybody. In fact, probably more so. Um, but the, the United States Capitol is not, in fact, a church. It is not a sacred place. It is not a place where God and man meet. Um, the cathedral in Columbus, the Roman Catholic, Catholic Cathedral in Columbus, is, in fact, a sacred place. It was, in fact, desecrated by protesters, and I'm pretty confident nobody on the left has said a word about
0: it. No. 2468, this church teaches hate as they marched around the church before scuffling with police and security— we're trying to escort the protesters out. Some of the approximately 200 mass goers were visibly shaken and disturbed by the actions of the protesters. A number of children were in attendance and some seen crying.
1: Yeah, it it is just – okay, so it is just a matter of time until this becomes, um, I don't want to say routine, but not unusual, right? Because now that, now that other people have seen it done, they're going to do it in their place, right? And that is going to lead to lots of bad things. Um, if you can't, you know, if if you can't tolerate speech, you certainly can't tolerate religion,
0: right? You you. But the thing is, you can protest if your protests are righteous, and and that is defined by what the left deems righteous. Yeah, I know. And that is the you know, I mean, and it's it's getting worse and worse and worse. It is, and
1: eventually, you know, when you when you when you put people into a corner where they're not allowed um, to. Where there's certain certain amount, certain speech is prohibited to them, and then you come after an actual belief speaking about religion now, um you guarantee violence. you're begging it right because if people can't worship freely and speak freely, and I don't mean like they they can't send a letter to the editor, I mean there are certain things that are not allowed to be said because um because the dominant culture will squash them, right. Um, if you leave people with no outlets for expression or belief, you are limiting them to violence. And sure. And that, that's just the way we – that's just the way to – that's why we're in favor of free speech. That's why we're in favor of free exercise because it, pre, it prevents violence. People get to say what they want and believe what they want and nobody feels a compulsive urge to lash out. And that's why we're in a dark place here because there's a bunch of people who would like to – do violence to both of those things: speech and exercise. Yeah,
0: and I I don't recall that um, it has ever been uh, sort of the the, the American way. Uh, unity has never been the American way.
1: Unity, shut up, shut so, up, Tom. And speaking don't be div- of unity, I want you to don't be divisive. <laughs>
0: speaking of unity, there's one Biden clip this week. It's very short. Hold, I just want to play. Wait it a minute for us. before
1: before we leave, don't I get to point out that Joe Biden's a devout Catholic? who has yet to say a single word about what happened yeah, in Columbus.
0: Of course. Uh,
1: He's probably busy praying his rosary, working his beads, as the old ladies used to say.
0: All right, <laughs> uh, let me play this clip. Unity
1: also is trying to get, at, at a minimum, if, if you pass a piece of legislation that breaks down on party lines, but it gets passed, it doesn't mean there wasn't unity. It just means it wasn't bipartisan. I prefer these things to be
0: bipartisan (laughs) okay that's really it's an interesting definition of unity on capitol hill you know (laughs) that's a much longer like word salad but um you know it's just the whole thing is the whole thing the (laughs) word you're the the word you're groping for
1: is orwellian Uh, yes just because we're not unified doesn't mean we're not unified just because just because there is no unity does not mean that there is not unity. Um, one plus
0: one equals three. Man. The, the
1: absence of unity does not prove um, an absence of unity. It, it, I saw, I heard that. I mean, I think I read it. I was just, I was like, oh, okay. Um, it's I, everybody. Everybody wonders why. Everybody wonders why the citizens in America can't stand Washington. That's why. Because because nobody can just say what things are.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, the other guy, the last guy, kind of was. He did. You know, <laughs> he did.
1: He did. <laughs> he did. Kind of broke <laughs> the
0: mold there, right? He did, and uh, you so... know,
1: and, and even at the end, if you ask people, "Hey, do you think he's giving you the straight skinny?" Like a lot of people, are like, yes. <laughs> I mean, he's not, you know he's he, he's not much. He's not long in the social grace department, right. but yeah, I think he's giving me what he thinks is a version of the you know yeah. of of what's going on, and and this kind of thing, unity is. You know, unity is not mean bipartisanship. It means something else.
0: Okay. In the That Was Fast department, uh, Reuters uh, ran a piece on Friday, the 22nd of January. Many others picked it up, I'm sure. An oil-producing Native American tribe (laughs) on Friday asked the U.S. Interior Department for an exemption. I did see this. From the recent temporary suspensions of oil and gas leasing and permitting on federal and tribal lands, saying the move would hit its economy and sovereignty. Uh, The Ute Indian tribe and other energy-producing tribes rely on energy development to fund our governments and provide services to our members. Luke Duncan, chairman of the tribe uh, in Utah, said in a letter to acting U.S. Interior Secretary Scott De La Vega. Yeah, I, 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 I was... On Monday... Was it either Friday evening or Monday morning? It, it
1: was Friday evening that an interior spokesman clarified the policy, and I think they they did their thing on Monday and exempted tribes, the tribes. from all of these bans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so and,
0: there you have it. It's just money, and I'll I,
1: again cross pur- cross purposes. Right? Um, you know the environmental justice crew. Um, the environmental justice crew. It was not gonna not gonna let the tribes just swing in the wind. So. All I can tell you is, um, there's going to be, I suspect, a lot of um, people trying to get tribes into um, oil and gas deals, uh, development uh, exploration I just, deals. This is
0: the problem. I mean, it, it, it's, it, it, when everything is run out of out of you know the yeah, the cabinet, the Politburo. Man. It's like, oh, you get an exemption and you don't, and you get a subsidy and you don't, and yeah. It, it, it's completely it, dysfunctional. It's full circle to our grid conversation. We're, we're reengineering a grid that was running perfectly fine. Sure, man. Um, out but, of Washington, but you, or Sacramento, it, it, or, it's,
1: it's all you know. It's all crazy, and it's not going to happen. But but what I love about this is the tribes recognized the hole in the logic of the administration and exploited it immediately. They didn't wait ten seconds. They went right in on it.
0: And it just took one. Yeah, man. And it wasn't even a blue state. No, it just was a boom. red state.
1: Just boom, and because the last thing, because you think about it, the last thing the Biden guys wanted was the rollout of this. You know, uh, what are we calling it? Suspension. Yeah. Well, ban, ban on, ban I was, on new I was production. Told it's not a
0: ban. It's on,
1: a ban on, on new production, production. Right.
0: but it's also eventually a, a embargo. We have a president in the United States who has issued an embargo on our own oil.
1: Right. So, so what was great about it is that the Ute tribe, uh, from which the state of Utah, of course, derives its name, um, recognized the hole in it. Right, recognized what the what the Biden guys didn't want to have was, you know, this great rollout and have one guy go hey, wait a minute. You know, this is important for the tribes. And the interesting thing to think about another tribe, the tribe of New Mexico, um, was silent. If the tribe of New Mexico had said if, – if Michelle Grisham had said, hey, you should exempt Mexi- New Mexico –
0: well, the state will be next.
1: I bet you they would.
0: The state will be next.
1: You think they're going to? How is
0: Deb Holland going to be able to justify killing her? Kill her own state? Her I, own I, I don't know how that story.
1: Engine. It's funny. I don't know how that story turns out. I hope you're right, because um, if New Mexico's next, then of course Colorado's going to come well, in and ask everybody. Goes
0: the Permian, basically. Everybody's going to land's production in the Permian. Everyone's going to
1: ask if they let New Mexico. If they exempt New Mexico, they're going to exempt everybody. And all of a sudden, it'll be the 38 states that produce no oil and gas.
0: Or they're going to trickle out and figure out ways to slip a permit here and slip a permit there and say special condition, this, is, this and that. We're going to
1: interpret right? this as existing because it's nearby uh, to an I mean, existing. It,
0: it, every single one is uh, Kathy Sagama. Thank you. Kathy Scamma, Western Energy Alliance. She'll be a guest here. Kathy
1: Sagama is, 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 you know, um, Dan was wondering, like, what happens next? What happens next is people like Kathleen Sagama um, um, insert some spine into all of us. Show us what can be done. File
0: a lawsuit immediately before the close of business. I was hugely impressed with that. It was epic. It really was. Uh, One more uh, commentary from a gentleman named Michael McKenna.
1: Who is that guy?
0: In the Washington Times, I'll read the title. Energy industry welcomes Biden and his aggressiveness on climate. They shouldn't have. (laughs) Yeah. Trying to negotiate means oil and gas producers have already lost the global warming battle. Um, Very well written. uh, Very, very uh, uh, injecting some truth into the conversation. Over the past several weeks, we have seen the supposed representatives of the oil and gas industry uh, in terms of the trade associations in town trying to play footsie with an administration whose single objective in this space is to eliminate them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know the thing that struck me was everybody said all these nice things about the Biden administration and how they wanted them to work work with par- work on Paris with them and getting rid of climate you know problems addressing climate problems and a p i and chamber and n a m right the association of manufacturers right um and then the Biden guys did it, and the chamber and a p i and n a m put out press releases about how terrible that was. How dare you? And if I'm the Biden administration, I'm like, not four days ago you chuckleheads told us that you thought urgent action was urgently needed. So we're acting I think urgently. Regulation what, we need it. What I mean, it, it 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 boggles me that you're allowed, you know, you're allowed to say one thing um on Monday and say another thing on Friday, and nobody ever calls you on it. And um you know, and the other thing that boggles me is if you didn't mean it, if you didn't mean that you intended you know to treat climate as an urgent pressing matter, why'd you say it? you know why did you say it you, you if you if what you meant was, hey, uh we make great product that helps people, and nobody wants to make energy more expensive, and we're gonna work with you to the extent we can and disagree with you to the extent we can have to yep. that, okay. that you should say that it's it's um it's it's a sign of the intellectual bankruptcy of these trade associations that they are unable to defend themselves and their products and their member companies it's embarrassing i don't understand why anybody pays dues to these guys sometimes and, and, and let me let me sharpen that let me just sharpen that for a second it's not all trade you, associations
0: because you, you, you never pull you, you never pull back
1: yeah well it, <laughs> it, it it it's it's not every trade association some are great some are really good but the two big ones that i mentioned in the in the column Are particularly egregious in this.
0: Well, and the um, Teamsters. Okay. uh, United. So,
1: so the unions. You know, the unions. The union leadership. Let's put that leadership in quotes. Right. My very strong suspicion is about sixty percent of union uh, members voted for Trump. Um, You know, so are you a leader if no one's following you? Um, And they, you, but they did the same thing. They endorsed Biden.
0: Oh, he's not going to do that.
1: He's you a know, good guy. Moderate. Joe's a good you know, guy. We know Joe. We
0: know Joe. Scranton Joe.
1: Yeah, Scranton Joe. It it and in the end of the the end of the article, I stole from a the end of the column. I I swiped from a friend of mine. You probably want to read it. It sounds. It should sound familiar to you.
0: Surrender only emboldens those who would destroy you. You can't negotiate with people whose sole goal is to destroy you.
1: Right. Can't negotiate. It, you know it, 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 it. It's a that's a that is a profoundly Contrarian view to hold in Washington, right? But it's true. You can't negotiate with people who just want to destroy you.
0: There's no ground to give from a from. There's no position. There's no middle position, right? I I think the big test is going to be LNG. What are they going to do with LNG?
1: I think the I think there's going to be steady downward pressure on export facilities, not just LNG facilities, crude oil facilities, refining facilities that export. You know they're they're um, they're not going to be able to um, stop the production, right? And truthfully, the midstream stuff is mostly built now. Um, the export facilities are exposed.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. So a couple other things quickly before we wrap. Apparently. Senator McConnell has saved the Senate from the from blowing up the filibuster uh because he received consen- he received commitments <laughs> he he's well, let me rephrase he viewed two very stern statements from two democrat senators that they would not vote to lift the filibuster for legislation in the next 2 years As an ironclad commitment that the Democrats will not lift the filibuster in the next two years and hence declared victory and moved on with the power sharing agreement, making Senator Schumer the majority leader and giving the the Democrats basically, you know, pretty much almost everything else they wanted.
1: Um, Yeah. I'm going to say this carefully because I'm not sure I think it carefully, um, but – I'm almost indifferent as to what happens to the filibuster, and I'll tell you why. Um, Because I think if the Democrats blow up the filibuster, they're going to regret it.
0: Yeah, we've talked about this in an earlier episode.
1: They're going to regret it. The people – the funny thing is the people who are going to regret it the most if a filibuster gets blown up are going to be the businesses of the United States. Because what's going to happen is they're not going to be insulated at all from the political swings, right? That's right. It's just going to, you know, whoever's in power is going to scrap what the other guy does, and boom. boom right boom.
0: now, today, the the voters have the least say in Washington. DC. Yeah, true. It's evident when every time they're ushered in, um, a majority, based on, yeah, spending problems with spending, the Tea Party, right, ushered in a majority. Ushered in Mitch McConnell. Sure. Um, Trump ushered in uh, the presidents, you know, Republican conservatives uh, for the presidency. Uh, I've just read a report this morning that said that McConnell has no interest in speaking to Donald Trump again ever. So.
1: I'm not sure that's true. Well, I mean. Uh, Let's put it this way. What I learned, what I learned is that. Um, reporters talk a lot and write a lot about what Mitch McConnell I, thinks. I, I,
0: I get, I get it. Uh, <laughs> you know, they, my respect for McConnell has gone up, but he's also a member of the club. Sure, man. Let's not kid ourselves. Hey, sure,
1: right? he's 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 the smartest member of the club. So, um, he's
0: and the, you know, we'll see what happens in the Senate. Uh, ultimately, I think they will get frustrated and they will use reconciliation more often than they probably should. And
1: they'll
0: they'll you know they'll get as much done as they can. And really, we're in a reverse situation. The Democrats usually, thank, thankfully for the Republicans, the Democrats usually screw up so badly, that it's yeah. helpful to the Republicans. But the Republicans right now are in a position of, in spite of the Democrats overreaching, may end up helping the Democrats in the midterms it's, if, if they don't get their seat legs pretty soon.
1: It's you know any and all things are possible. What strikes me first of all, we're gonna have two. At least two bites at the apple. The reconciliation apple, right? They're gonna they're gonna waste one of them on um, spend one of them on stimulus, I think, right? And that tells you a lot about it right away, right? The fact that um, the fact that they they're even thinking about going to reconciliation on stimulus, they have a deal sitting there they have enough republicans to you know they 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 could they could have a probably a 1.6 trillion dollar deal or 1.4 trillion dollar deal tomorrow morning and they are going to waste 6 weeks and pummel their own appropriations cardinals to do reconciliation on stimulus they don't need to do that because um, they
0: want a, an extra half a billion yeah half a trillion for the state for the bailout for Mo- the blue states
1: most, most yeah the, most of that money is the 350 billion for the for the blue states right um and then the other, you know, if they do that, they're going to use the other reconciliation on the tax increase for sure. But if they do that, you can guarantee that there are two things, right, that flow out of that. One is we're not going to have any kind of um, expectations for comedy in the United States Senate, right? It's not going to be hostile, but the idea that we're going to get 85 votes on a tax increase, forget it, that's not going to happen. And then the other thing is, Reconciliation on stimulus would expose Joe Manchin as a senator Manchin as a paper tiger. You know, because truthfully, reconciliation he could kill reconciliation all by himself. Just one vote, just vote no, right? He could drive this deal by himself. If they go to reconciliation, it's not going to be over the Republicans. It's going to be over him. He's
0: never not. He has never bucked his leadership.
1: It's funny. I had a call with a – I had a, I had a Zoom, Zoom call, Zoom, whatever, with the CEO yesterday, who shall remain unnamed, except he's in the energy sector.
0: And he's not Vol- Voldemort.
1: <laughs> no. And he, he literally said to me, oh, you know, we had a great relationship with, with Joe Manchin. We're counting on him to do the right thing. And, and I let it go the first time he said it. But then he cycled back about 20 minutes later and said it again. I was like, look, I got to stop you right there. I said, Joe Manchin's never been the first guy in a fight. Joe Manchin's always the second guy in a fight, right? I said, so you should worry more about what Kirsten Cinema thinks about the world yeah. that Joe Manchin. Because she's been – she's scrappier
0: than She's him been anyway.
1: the first guy in a fight yeah. a lot of times. Yeah. You know, and she's – there's more steel in her spine than in his. But – and I know how the reporters – the reporters are going to be like, oh, reconciliation's because the Republicans can come to deal all this other crap. Uh-uh. It's going to be because – it's going to be because the Democrats looked at Joe Manchin and said, I have no fear of you. Yep. I'm just going to roll you over and make you look bad in public.
0: Yep, which is why they should strike. Republicans should have struck while the iron was hot and and offered him the world to switch. But as you said before, he's he's just a Democrat. He's not going to change. Said he's so, going
1: to said he's going to die a Democrat.
0: Uh, we are running super long. I do want to no, get not. this in um, because I just we talked about it earlier today. Bill McKibben has been promoting uh, a video where, uh, and I'm not going to play the video, but I'll put in the notes. It, this is They're on a, on a jag to go after ad agencies and PR agencies who are, quote, renting themselves to the fossil fuel industry, supplying the creative juice necessary to wreck the planet. Please do something different with your talents. We saw a hit piece in the New York Times on a consulting firm, yep. a PR firm that has the audacity to represent oil and gas producers in this country. Yep. We talked earlier about a certain law firm that's being targeted. Yep. Um this is not going away.
1: No. No, I mean it's it's, you know, it's it's part of it's 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 tangled up with the protest in the Cathedral of Columbus, right? Um they, you know, the there's a segment of folks on the left and and active particularly on the environmental side, trying to make sure that nobody's able to say anything. Contrary to, um, contrary to the narrative, unity, unity, and they are looking, you know they're they're in the case of the law firm and the PR firm, picking out the best players, trying to take them off the field. Of course, you know it's it's a bounty, it's a bounty operation. I it's, wish
0: they would pick off some of them, <laughs> because some of them get paid a lot and they're not the best players, but they're avoiding them <laughs> because they know what we know.
1: Nobody's, but anyway, I'm not going to name names. I am. Nobody's going to attack the Chamber API. But you know, they I was
0: thinking about a PR particular PR firm. So I'm am I. Not going to name that. Name. Me neither. Um, all right. So impeachment is back on the schedule. Uh, it's not. There is going to be no conviction. Not sure what the end game here is, other than making a martyr out of uh, Donald Trump, who has no no voice now because. They cut him off on social media, which means he's been silent for a few weeks, which I would argue his support is probably going up as a result. Yeah, man. And if Jack had done this in, say, June of last year,
1: yeah, he Trump might, would probably might have He might have won, he won the election. Yeah, I agree with that. Um,
0: They already voted to try and kill it right away. They got, what, 45 Republicans? 45 Republicans. So not, not no conviction. I don't know what the end game here is uh, in terms of – we're we're gonna know, have for, there will be a will get the legislation barring him from running off. For no, that's again. not gonna
1: happen. We're just gonna get a we're gonna get a censure vote. They're not gonna have a trial.
0: I think that's what's gonna end. There's up?
1: no way that the Senate, there's no way the Senate Democrats want to have a trial because, you know, that's gonna be five or six weeks. I mean, they say it three weeks, sure, unless you get in there with witnesses and stuff. Um, it's going to expose some ugliness in the capital police and, and I'm not saying like they're bad guys, I'm just saying competence questions. Yeah. we're going to get into the shooting of the civilian and what that looked like and whether um, or not
0: you can incite something that's been planned weeks or right, earlier
1: right right right, so you know it and and what what I Some understand, most don't, is the president's going to love it because he's going to be the center of the attention for however long the trial goes on. He's never going to be there. But he's going to put out a microphone out in front of Mar-a-Lago at 1130 every morning and at 6 o'clock every night when they button up and just say, here's what I think about what happened today. Um, So my guess is they're going to – Tim Kaine is going to figure out a way to run a censure vote and he'll probably get 10 Republicans on that. And that'll be fine, right? It'll be like yeah, a 60-40 the, vote. Get their headline. Right. They'll get their headline. And more importantly, they'll be done. Because if they don't, if they don't, um, math tells you that we're going to, you know, you're going to get to um, Easter recess and Biden wouldn't have accomplished a single thing legislatively. And that's that can't be the answer they want, right? That just can't be.
0: Well, it's not stopping, it's not stopping them. And uh, we will close with the clip of the day. Um, I found this nice little nugget talking about uh, this very subject. Here we go. Air ...trial, but make no mistake. There will be a trial, and when that trial ends, senators will have to decide if they believe Donald John, Donald John Trump incited the
1: erection, <laughs> insurrection, against the United States.
0: <laughs> now... That is a wrap, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Unity and <laughs> divisiveness <laughs> Go Chiefs I'm <laughs> uh, sure why not We'll see you next week